Lukona Mguni, PhD intern researcher at the Morris Webb Race Relations Unit at the University of KwaZulu Natal joins me now. Lukona, good evening to you and thank you very much for joining good us. Good evening, good evening to your listeners. Uh, always a pleasure. Much appreciated. Brian Mulefe, uh, I suppose he is the focal point of many a discussion at the moment. Um, you know the background, he was the CEO. He of Eskom, he resigned under a cloud um, for reasons that a lot of people um, were sort of, uh, ad, you know, w- w- admired the reasons why he had uh, decided to resign. Uh, he wanted to clear his name and all of those kinds of things. And now we're hearing that he's going to be, um, uh, you know, uh, sworn in as a member of parliament, a mem- uh, an honorable member. Uh, and even the chief whip of the ANC here in Gauteng, at the Gauteng legislature, uh, has uh, made comments about the uh, the inconsistency of that principle or the way that uh, that principle is being applied with regards to Brian Mulefe. Your thoughts about Brian Mulefe and the fact that he is now going to be um, a member of parliament? Well, um, I think the, the starting point really is to exactly begin when he leaves ESCOM. Yeah. But maybe before we get there, I I heard you saying, you know, you used to love him and you're not sure if you've stopped loving him. Yeah. Uh, Brian Molivia has been one of those poster boys type of people, I mean, for the post-1994 project. Sure. uh, Really seen as, uh, some actually call him, you are talking about the epitome of black excellence. Exactly. About him. In terms of the role that he has played, I mean, he has played largely within the public service sphere as a DDG in Treasury, as a chief information officer and chief executive officer in the public investment corporation, as a CEO in Transnet and as a CEO in ESCO. In actual fact, when you appreciate his skill set and his coverage of the public service sphere terrain, insofar as the businesses of the public service sphere. There's no doubt if you look at his profile and his CV, you could be tempted to say that he is the right man for the job, insofar as speculation is concerned that he might be sworn in either as minister or deputy minister in the Department of Finance. Now, his CV speaks volumes. He has covered great grounds, and he has, I think, admittedly, to an extent, had good successes where he has been. I mean, the PIC today stands much on his work in terms of being one of the biggest investment vehicles the country has and also diversifying its portfolio. Um, Transnet, again, I mean, the expansion of Transnet is well known. The dugout port that was highly contested to be done here in Durban and the expansion of the port here and streamlining the business of Transnet really into very dedicated business units and sort of shedding off some of its passenger railway services to Prasa. Um, to translate that into his work at ESCOM, he was known as Mr. Fixit, coming in to rescue a sinking ship. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when the trouble started. By the time he got to ESCOM, uh, there were a lot of many hands trying to find influence around that pot he was yeah. being given. Yeah. So it's almost like entering into a trap. Uh, you come with a good record. Uh, the bad guys can't wait for you uh, to use you and your credibility and stature. 
And once you are inside, you then realize it's either you join them because you can't beat them or you walk away and you don't know what is your future. Generally, all senior executives in public service uh, rely on their political capital within the movement. Therefore, to butter up a few hands is part and parcel of self-preservation and remaining relevant. Anyway, I don't want to go too far, but that 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 is the background. Of, of Brian Malif, and I wanted to try and reach out to this position that says people are hurt uh, or are hurting over him to sh- try and give a picture why people are hurting and, and who is Brian Malif in the biggest game of things. Um, let's come back to November last year when he decided to write that statement to the public informing us that he would not be returning to ESCOM at the end of this, I mean, at the beginning of this year. And it is his own reasoning that uh, baffles all of us, I think, insofar as his acceptance Mm. of nomination to parliament. One, Brian Molife resigned, citing that it was in the interest of good corporate governance that he does so, and for the reputation and standing of ESCOM so that its clients or even its creditors do not suddenly have doubt over ESCOM because there is a hanging cloud over him. And that was seen as a highly noble thing to do. But when then wind comes of his nomination to parliament, which which I don't think is is done and dusted, by the way, Obru, but we'll come back to that. Mm. Um, when his when his nomination to parliament comes, then there are two questions that arise. Does Brian Molifer himself not see the ANC, the party that is going to nominate him, and to the institution of parliament, worthy of the same consideration ah. on principles and interests of good corporate governance? Because irrespective of it being a political party, it still has a reputation. It still has a semblance of a, a, co- a corporation which must be governed uh, by the highest uh, morality and ethics and, 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 and all of that. Parliament as an institution of public accountability has even a greater role insofar as considerations of good corporate governance are concerned. Now, if Molife suddenly finds it worthy in his conscience to associate with these two principal institutions, the ANC and Parliament, he might be communicating to us a message that these institutions have lost their morality standing Mm -hmm. and their credibility as entities, so much that uh, they are less to sacrifice for than ESCOM is. And that is a serious indictment on these two institutions. Because I can't live on one reason, and then while that reason has not been laid to rest, we, we all know that the State of Capture report remains active. The president has taken it on judicial review. Some people would have expected that the likes of Molivia would have a feeling that they have been materially uh, affected by the report, would have also taken it on judicial review. They've chosen not to. And they've chosen not to be amicus curie in court, friends of the court, on the case of the president. That is a decision that people have taken. But let's move further and now interrogate the party that is nominating Monefe to parliament. If you go back to the resolutions of the ANC in the Mangaung 2012 conference, two things a cornerstone of organizational renewal. The first is that the conference adopts a decade of the CADA, 
which is a decade of trying to promote a cadre that is of high moral integrity, that is of high uh, uh, diligence in terms of service to the movement and all these things. And to support that theme of a decade of the cadre, the conference adopts an integrity committee, mm. which then says anyone who is found or is fingered in some uh, uh, allegation of wrongdoing, they must appear before the integrity committee, and the integrity committee must advise as to how the party must deal with that person. So, by de facto, then Brian Molisa should have gone through the integrity committee prior to being nominated to parliament to so say, integrity committee, there is this cloud over this man. Is it prudent for the organisation to nominate him to the institution of parliament, given? Uh, the political standing and and the political wrangling that's going on around the report of state of capture. So those two tests have not been met from the organization's own point of view. I would add add a a third one very quickly, Lukona. The fact that um, Ward 29 in the Madibeng region, from whence he is uh, supposed to hail, we know differently, but... uh, where from whence he's, he hails politically, his political home, as it were, nobody knows who he is. Well, there's a reason for that, and there's an important point that you are raising. That is, part, I hear that Ward 29 uh, has a press conference tomorrow at 12 midday. Yeah. Uh, but be that as it may, I then know people around Centurion who say they are, they, they are branch members with, 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 with Molife. They say, no, 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 we know that commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in our branch. Now, dual membership in the ANC is not allowed. <laughs> oh, so in Centurion also, eh? Yeah, no, no, no. There's a, there's a claim in Gauteng by some comrades that uh, they know him. He's a branch member there. Okay. So, so uh, and, and that adds uh, a, a significant question to say, um, what happens? Can people hold two memberships? So one of the discussions that has been happening over the last few days is whether people can have uh, double membership in the ANC, and, and the, the answer is no. Mm. And of course, this is within the logic of the ANC's membership setup. It's it's branch based based on wards. So ideally, one should belong to a branch mm. in the ward that they reside in. It also allows the movement to sort of map where its concentration of support is and sort of know which branches it's most likely to win based on membership numbers yeah. and therefore where to focus its electioneering where it needs to make inroads because it has low membership bases or has no membership at all. So there's actually quite, I think, a theory. I mean, even if it's not a publicly pronounced theory, but I mean, I can understand it theoretically why they did the current membership system that they have now for for one person to move from one branch to another they can either retain their membership in the former branch and keep going back there or they can transfer their membership but they can't have membership into 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 branches that that is that is an impossible look on you you paint a a picture of multiple institutional failure in the anc itself um, with the impotence of the integrity committee, uh, the branches that seem not to know where this gentleman actually belongs politically, is it in Centurion or is it in Madibeng? Um, you paint a very serious uh, institutional issue with regards to parliament itself that would be ready to accept somebody who is not in good standing in terms of the reason why he left his previous job 
uh, and uh, the principle of consistency with regards to those ideas. I'm, I'm looking forward perhaps to some calls, one from people who live in Centurion, Omadibeng, who know the commander. <laughs> the liturgy. <laughs> Give me a call at double one eight eight three zero seven zero two. If you know Brian Malefe as a member in good standing in your branch, comrades, please give us a call. Lukona and I are a little bit confused. Oh, double one eight eight three zero seven zero two is the number. But what do you make of Lukona's um, assessment of the institutional failure, the integrity committee that doesn't know what uh, they need to do as far as this is concerned? And uh, perhaps when we come back from the break, Lukona, we start to uh, connect these issues to the budget speech that is to be delivered by the current <laughs> um, Minister of Finance, uh, Praveen Godan, who seems to have become accustomed to this kind of tension every year, questions around a, a cabinet reshuffle together for, for him and his uh, deputy. Uh, but, but perhaps before we go to to the break let's 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 uh, prelude that issue what do you make of the conversation about a possible uh, cabinet reshuffle uh, and the fact that now we hear that uh, brian is going to be a member of parliament that's back to me yeah um well Aubrey, i have been saying that before june this year there will be a cabinet reshuffle and yeah. some people thought that i i was i was just playing into the field of uh, political sangoma this was late last year i've been Generally, if you look at how President Zuma functions, uh, before an election year or an election moment, he will do a cabinet reshuffle, and afterwards, based on the prospects of uh, or on the outcomes of the Congress, he might do another one. Generally, there was a time when I think the cycle was every 11 months he was doing a cabinet reshuffle yeah. between 2009 and 2014. So we are definitely due for a cabinet reshuffle. And I think the swearing, if, if Molive is, is, is sworn in, um, the, current, the current wave of discussion that's happening in society might actually frustrate that mm. because it, it might mean that the ANC is faced with one pushing a candidate who's being rejected even internally from its own structures uh, in terms of subverting ANC conventional uh, 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 practice. Because I don't want to say policy because I've been trying to find ANC's deployment policies. They don't seem to be public. The Constitution only tells us that uh, the Provincial Executive Committee will have the power to sort of draw the policy on list processes for poly- prov- national, provincial, and and local elections. So we don't know actually concretely whether one has to, by its policies, basis policies, has to be a branch a member, but we do know in convention that the province to national list is of people that reside within that province and they are elected by branches uh, or proposed by branches to the PC and the PC decides. But now what we know for sure is that if Molifa is sewn in, you do not sway in someone with his track record yep. to become a backbencher. It has never happened sure. in any parliament. So he's destined either for a cabinet position or a buffer position as a deputy minister. Yeah. So you know when someone becomes the eyes and ears mm. of, of a faction, yeah. so you just put them there to deputize. But whatever the case might be, one thing that it tells us is that if Molife is sworn in and accepts nomination to whatever position, he is willfully saying he finds no qualms with the current leadership of the day and he is willing to associate and serve 
the current leadership of the day. Now, you will remember that when Senzo Mkunu in KZN was recalled as premier mm-hmm. sometime last year, there was huge memory that he was being asked to consider going to Cape Town as a national in the National Assembly and that he would be sworn in as an MP and subsequent to that people thought he might be appointed to some position. He refused flat right yeah. flatly to go to the National Assembly, partly because of disagreeing with the politics of the day. And of course, contradictions there are sharpened. We know which side he's on yeah. in terms of the lead-up to uh, the December Gauteng Conference, uh, uh, National Conference to be held in Gauteng. So what I'm trying to say is that, of course, we, we, we know that a uh, cabinet reshuffle is now imminent, and it's fast gaining traction. Yeah. Uh, what we do not know is the extent of the reshuffle and how much President Zuma will want to temper with his cabinet to settle political dynamics leading to the conference, but also to sharpen contradictions. Uh, we've heard uh, Roma how much he no longer speaks to the deputy president and they speak to officials yeah. and all of that. Now, that, if it is true, he might want to continue isolating the deputy president within cabinet and therefore make sure that he has as little allies as possible. Will a cabinet reshuffle lead to Pravin Gordon being dismissed? Um, the jury is still out. Uh, I do think that the most tactful thing to do might be to get him to join us out and Brian Oliver mm. in and then graduate Pravin out of that office within the duration of the year or sometime next year. Let's take let's take let's take a break. Let's take a break because I want you to hold that thought um, about the strategy that the president may follow as to where he places Brian Malefe. If we understand, and I agree with you on this one, that there's no way that Brian Malefe, Malefe with his talent, with his history, with his uh, all of those things, is going to remain a backbencher. There's no way. But I'd like to take a call from you as to what does the appointment of Brian Mulefe as a member of parliament communicate to you? What does the appointment of Brian Mulefe as a member of parliament communicate to you? Double one eight eight three zero seven zero two. When we come back, we continue with the conversation with Luko Namgu. 702. 702. Call us on 011-883-0702. My guest is Luko Namguni, PhD intern researcher at the Morris Webb Race Relations Unit at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. We're talking about Brian Malefe and his appointment to Parliament uh, come Wednesday, the same day that uh, the Minister of Finance, Praveen Gordon, is going to be delivering his um, budget speech. And um, a lot of speculation, a lot of talk around the possible uh, and imminent um, cabinet reshuffle that may involve the removal of Pravin Gordon himself. But there is also a possibility that Kabisi um, Chonas, Pravin's deputy, may be the one that is removed. And that is why, with all of this talk swirling, we are asking the question, what does the appointment or the, uh, yeah, the appointment of Brian Malefe into a position of Member of Parliament communicate to you? Remember that the ANC Youth League has called on the sacking of Pravin Gordon, saying that he is anti-transformation. The ANC Women's League has echoed that sentiment. Uh, Pravin Gordon has asked to who, well, who are 
the ANC Youth League and the uh, ANC Women's League representing in these statements? Where do they get their mandate from? Who are they protecting? Whose interests are they speaking for? I suppose the same question will be asked of him. Hey, this is politics. Give me a call, 011-883-0702 on SMS. Uh, this person says, Aubrey, your guest, Lukona, is very articulate on the matter at hand. But let's remember, legal speaking, uh, there is no court of law that found Malefa guilty of any crime besides the insinuation of the public um, protector report. The former public protector was also not neutral in this war. Besides, Lukona sounds like a comrade. Has he never been a member of the ANC? He really sounds like a seasoned comrade, says Sivuile. Um, well... <laughs> It wasn't the public protector that said um, uh, Brian Malefa must uh, must resign. He did that of his own volition. Perhaps this is something that needs to be said. As much as people are members of the ANC, the ANC is supposed to serve the state, which is the state of the Republic of South Africa. When comrades begin to express sentiments that want to give the impression that your priority is the party and not the country, you run into problems. But let's hear what uh, Lukona Mguni has to say about some of these things that are being said. Um, on SMS, Hi, Aubrey, no one in government is honorable. And my blood boils when these people are called honorable. E.g. Free State Premier screaming uh, F off. No, it wasn't the Free State Premier. It was the Northwest uh, Premier. Um, Supra Mohape. 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 Pelo. Premier screeping uh, F off to the DA during this uh, shambolic sona for the world to hear what action uh, will be taken. It was racist. Uh, as for Brian Malefe, regards, says Vince. Yeah, well, <laughs> apparently he apologized. Eh? That's the extent of our, uh, of, our, of our call for accountability. But Lukona... Before we take calls, the SMSs, what do you think of them? And uh, the ANC and uh, uh, the ANC and women's ANC Youth League and the women's uh, women's league uh, calling for for Praveen to go. Uh, just quickly, I am I am I am I am neither a student member of the ANC, no, 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 a former member for that. Uh, sorry about that, uh, Sibuile. Uh, so I'm, I'm sorry to burst that bubble. Yeah. Um, look, let's let's track back a bit. Uh, legality on its own is not enough in politics. Uh, partly why there is what we call propaganda in politics is because we understand the weight of perception. And the more you drive a point home, Basically, in politics, you could give a lie legs enough to run as truth, even if it is not truth. Mm. And if the perception of that lie as truth gains momentum, people will act on it and only regret much later when the real truth comes yeah. out. And we've seen this in a number of instances. Yep. And uh, this is why we have the likes of Matthew Sposa talking about the Damascus moment. Mm. Uh, because at sometimes a lie... Uh, they gave a lie enough legs to run as truth, and they even believed in their own uh, lie. But that's a discussion for another day. Mm. Uh, the point around this Brian Molefe thing is that there is a perception, one, that Brian, 
I'll tell you when I made uh, my break with Brian Molife Aubrey. Mm. Um, like yourself, I have admired Brian for the longest time yeah. uh, in terms of the perception of him being a man that can fix things yeah. and being a man that can be trusted uh, with government spending. I mean, uh, in a time when we know that most of our SOEs are either bankrupt, always trying for more money from government and all of that. Yeah. But when he sat in Parliament, soon after being appointed the CEO of ESCOM, it was around March, April last year. Yeah. Uh, some, somewhere there. I mean, um, and 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 Brian sat there and 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 defended vehemently, if not late 2015 but defended vehemently the Guptas and said he doesn't understand why the Guptas yeah, turned to that. business. He said, it was that day where I'm always mindful of people who are tactless uh, in moments that require leadership mm. and prioritize their friendships over thinking about the country. Because in that moment, all Brian was required to do was to say, let the law take its course uh, people must not make accusations on unfounded allegations, but motivate that the law and investigations take their course. Sure. But he was very defensive and painted a picture that the Gupta family was being unfairly and unduly singled out in terms of its influence. Yeah. Now you then connect those events with him and and, and and the observations in the public protector report, and then you suddenly connect the dots at all. He must have already at that time been roped into mm. these politics of the day. There is now no doubt that there is some influence of the Guptas. And I always say, and I think I've always said it in, on, on, your, on your show, that there is never more a telling reality for me that the Guptas have power and a close friendship uh, with the president than them landing a private jet in a military base and nothing happening uh, after that to them personally. Yeah. So uh, there's no doubt that there's influence. Now, he gets roped into this politics of the day that involved the Guptas. And the second threat that makes Muleva very dangerous is that he really believes in the nuclear build program. And, and, and he is willing to drive it. And that is why, at some point, the nuclear build program was taken away from government and into the hands of ESCOM. That's, because let, he was willing to drive it. Let's talk to the listeners. Very interesting. But there's an interesting sentiment coming out on Twitter. Um, uh, look on uh, Ms. Dutu says, Brian is a softie. He won't survive the chaos and heckle from other members of parliament. Sex and will should be in will be his home, says Ms. Dutu. Junior Mosetli says, Orbs, Brian Malifi broke my heart also. I was counting him amongst black shining stars. Uh, and uh, But I, I think the point I want to make is is best expressed in this particular tweet from uh, Kabelo MG. He says, Brian Malifi is a good but very weak man. Only decision he took by himself was resigning. All other decisions are taken from him. I want you to comment on that, Lukona, but let's take a few more calls. Uh, a few calls. Tieti and Alexander Haim. Comrade Obrey. Comrade Tieti, how are you, sir? Long time no speak. Wonderful. Go for it. Comrade Obrey, you see, I'm very angry tonight. Mm. And this anger is not only starting tonight. From the beginning of the news that Prime Minister is being a... Uh, 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 
you know, uh, inaugurated as a member of parliament. Yeah. You see, uh, 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 the citizens of this country are showing a little thing right here. Definitely, for sure, because really, I cannot believe what is happening in this country. Uh, Akona, Akona has just said something very important, that the situation that uh, whoever appointed, you know, you know who appointed Prime mm. to be a member of parliament. We all know, as citizens of South Africa, who is behind this. And somebody is protecting their interests here, you know? Mm. And now, not not at the cost of this country because it's, this is skating on very, very thin ice. Yeah. Play. Because really, you cannot have a situation like this when somebody is under investigation from the report of the state, uh, uh, state card and then the next thing, the, the person is, you know, the, you know, our leadership is displaying the very same arrogance that they've shown before the ANC lost you, you, you know, well, I, 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 I remember, I remember, and, and nobody has said it at this point, uh, but I know that that's going to be the argument of some people when we start to really interrogate this issue. Somebody's going to come back to us and tell us about democratic centralism, uh, which was a big reason for why we saw a lot of people die and people get hurt in Pretoria when uh, Togo Titiza was, was parachuted. But Tietzi, thanks very much absolutely, for your call. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. thanks. Thank you. you. It's yep. the same arrogance. Yeah. They still repeat the very same mistakes. So where does introspection come in? Uh, sure. Has it done that, 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 that introspection? Tietzi, in Alexander, I'm going to stop I'm you there. I'm the ANC yeah. and I'm going to die with the ANC, the ANC dies, but this leader must go. Tietzi, in Alexander. Alfred in Frienaging, hi. How are you? I'm are very you? well. Thank you, Alfred. Go ahead. I'm all right. Yep. You know, we're missing the big picture. He knows he's on his way. What he's going to do, you know who is he. What he's going to do, he, he will make it sure that parliament is full of his, his, uh, his comrades, whoever is going to protect his interest, inter- interest. Whenever he can leave, because he won't be judged, he won't be prosecuted. So that those people... Who are, who are going to be on the treasure, on the enterprise, yep. they will protect his interest. Honestly, uh, we have to, to, to see it in that way, yep. well, then we'll understand. It's no longer a, an ANC. It's so painful to see that whenever, I don't know if a Mr. Brad Mulefe is going to cry on the parliament when Mr. Maimani asks him a question. <laughs> Alfred in Verenigen, tears, shabins, and of course, more to come after the break. 702, your number one news and talk station. Lukona Mguni is my guest. Lukona, uh, Brian, it does not have the skin, the the nose, the 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 power to staying power for parliament, as some people are suggesting. Alfred said, uh, when uh, Musi Maimani asks him a question, will he cry? And, and, and you probably heard that uh, <laughs> that sentiment come through. And is uh, is probably going to survive. <laughs> um, one, the theatrics of parliament must not distract us from the reality that they are just momentary. Mm. Um, the Minister of Finance is in parliament twice on serious business, delivering the budget speech in February and during the midterm review in October. And of course, during the year, answer, uh, questions to the minister can be put. Uh, whether he cries or not, if he remains true to the reasoning, 
um, why he is there. One of the things that we are under-interrogating Aubrey mm. is how much people are deliberately placing themselves as part of the political cartel that is determined to siphon money from the state. Yep. There is a project in South Africa that is starting to really shape itself up and showcase itself in, in very broad daylight. It's no longer behind the scenes. I once said here on your show, people are, are on the view of the view that, you know, let me try and uh, do Zama last, you know, mm. take uh, Zama last because there is an imminent threat that people are seeing that 2019, come 2019, yep. they might not be able to win election and there might be a coalition government that doesn't involve the ANC. Yep. So now some people are deliberately part of that political Let's cartel. eat now. That is going to eat now. Not even it's our turn to eat. It's our last turn to eat. Mm. Therefore, let us do it now. Now that is serious. But let's come back to something more fundamental that you asked and I think some people have asked. Uh, the question that treasure is anti-transformation. There's always been an attempt to try and isolate treasury and target treasury as though it functions with outside the function. Right, look on, uh, uh, I'm going to ask you, my brother, to stay with me for a few more minutes after the news because the technical people okay. are telling me, hey, I've got to take a break, blah, 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 blah. All okay. right, look on, <laughs> look on, I'm going to use my guest. Let's take a break. 702. And talk station. Ntsako uh, says, Hola Ops, uh, from state owned enterprise to parliament, Brian Malefi is in and Saudi will follow. Ish, Mara ANC says Ntsako. Uh, and um, I've just received from Spuda One Knox, and I know that Lukona made reference to uh, a particular press conference that's going to be taking place. Yes, I have now received the. Uh, invitation the African National Congress in Ward 29 of Bukonebu Pirima uh, province invites members of the media to a press briefing on Tuesday, the 21st of February 2017, to set the record straight on the misleading information that has been spread by some who claim to be the leadership of our branch when they are not. The ANC in Ward 29 maintains that Comrade Brian Mulefe is our member in good standing. And we are prepared to back this up with evidence. All branch uh, executive committees members will be present to answer media questions. The date is tomorrow or today, 21st of February 2017 at uh, 12.30. The venue is Cosmos Library Hall in Artebiaspur Dam. And this has been uh, uh, issued by ANC Ward 29 of Bokoni Bupiri, Northwest. Bokoni Bupiri. Well, I'm going to let uh, Lukona finalize his thoughts uh, on the matter. But of course, you can give me a call on 011-883-0702. My feeling is that Donas is out. I think that there'll be just too much of an outcry for Pravin Go- if Pravin Gordon is removed. But I think that uh, Jonas is out and he knows it, I think. And he's comfortable with that. Somebody was saying to me just a few minutes ago that this is the guy that said no to 600 million rands. I don't know if I'd have that kind of moral rectitude. Eh? 600 million rands. All right. Look on Amguni. Your final words, my brother. You were talking about the fact that Brian could be the man to look after certain interests with regards to the nuclear deal. 
Um, and you were also making reference to the fact that people are lining up to, uh, to have their moment at the trough because they sense that this might be the last time that they may be able to have um, access to state resources, state funds, and so forth. Well, certainly, Aubrey, I think um, there's another dynamic that we need to look at. I mean, as we all know, the ANC is a highly contested space. Last year, there was a gentleman by the name of Fiso Butelezi, an economist ah, by training, yes. uh, who was sworn in in parliament, uh, coming from somewhere um, here in the regions of KwaZulu Natal, I think, mm. and and really um, coming with the credentials that he had been part of an investment vehicle for ex political prisoners and served in other boards. Mm. And he was earmarked to be sworn in um, as deputy finance minister if a cabinet reshuffle were to occur sometime last year, yeah. which then didn't happen. Yeah. So we might still see. Um, a shift where maybe Sputelez himself replaces Ngodisi Jonas and Brian Moliva goes on to replace Lynn Brown as state-owned enterprises Mm. minister. So there's there's a number, there's a bit of room. So we we must not overly concentrate our thinking to the the name of Brian Moliva in the finance uh, department. And what I was making, the point I was making before we we took a break for for news, uh, is that Treasury has always been an isolated entity. In the time of Trevor Manuel, uh, the SACP and and, and Kosaju vehemently rejecting what they called the 1996 class project, which was GEAR, they targeted Treasury. And at the time, Treasury worked on the principle of a surplus, of a budget surplus. Mm. And they said that Treasury was frustrating transformation because it focused on having a surplus when it should be using that surplus for service delivery. Mm. Fast forward, what then happens now today is that we have a budget that is running on a deficit. And that deficit spending, deficit spending can stimulate the economy if it is well-targeted and visioned um, to pierce through infrastructure development that can unlock the functioning of the economy. I am not too sure if our infrastructure development is going to unlock the functioning of the economy. But there does seem to be a re-emergence of the contestation and isolation of treasury, as though treasury does not function within the prescripts and framework of the ANC policies. Now, it is always a physical isolation of treasurer that is done to advance politics of the day, Mm. because then the narrative in society becomes, treasurer is not giving us the money to to, to deliver services to you. So, Nomfra Mukonyan is one of those people that are complaining. Uh, Treasurer is not giving us the money to deliver services to people. But then you ask a simple question. You are all presiding over an economy that is derelict, stagnant, and definitely paralyzed. How then does Treasury generate more money uh, in a paralyzed economy to apportion for the delivery of additional services? Mm. It's impossible. Mm. With all the contingency measures that Treasury has to take insofar as FISMAS fall is concerned and reprioritizing expenditure of government and so on. So Mm. what is clear is that the isolation of Treasury is always about the politics of the day and the contestations that are within the ANC. Mm. At the time, it was a contestation within the Tripartite Alliance over GEAR. Currently, it is a contestation 
between what I call a political cartel that has taken over the ANC that feels highly frustrated that there are certain things it cannot do because Treasury refuses to sign off on them and refuses to sign off on them because, according to the ANC, they want to continue managing the fiscals in the most prudent manner as possible. Mm. Now, if you then tamper with Treasury and allow a runaway deficit spending to occur, you are going to run this economy to the ground because Mm. it is no longer a resilient economy as it were before the 2008 financial crisis. The economy has taken a lot of bruising between then and now. So the economy is just in terms of its own resilience weaker. The banking sector, of course, now suddenly appears weaker in terms of the public narrative and the collusion among some of the banking institutions. And generally, the economy of our stands on the finance and services sector, both as the highest contributors to the GDP, but also as one of the most resilient banking systems in the world. Mm. Now, if you continue to tamper politically with these institutions, as it is being done, and, and you continue to send a political narrative, true or not, that delegitimizes the standing of these institutions and then gives the investors a particular view uh, in terms of these institutions are no longer enjoying political support. You remember uh, Pravin Gordon, prior to his budget speech last year, uh, in a press conference, he said, if I still have political support, I will be back here in October delivering the mid-term budget. He was back there, but the political support had waned, the hawks were behind him, and cabinet was divided in terms of supporting him. Yeah. I definitely do think that this is the last budget speech that Pravin will deliver. Mm. His exit plan is something that will be managed, whether he'll be reshuffled back to another cabinet position to make way in Treasury during the course of the year or two years. That's another story altogether. Mm. But I do think that political support he was talking about this time last year is definitely not there, and he no longer enjoys it, and he's relentlessly targeted by the political cartel that has taken over the running both of the ANC and of government. The last thing that I would say to ANC members, not because I'm an ANC member, because I am a a, a person who looks at situations uh, in the manner that I do. To, To ANC members, one thing that they must not allow is for the suspension of long-standing practices and the constitution of the ANC. Because if you allow it once to be suspended, it will keep on being suspended for the duration of this year up until the conference. And we will have a problem of ANC members dissatisfied with the outcome of the conference, saying that there was manipulation. Yet they allowed manipulation of processes to happen on day one. Mm. This is the moment for ANC members to say, we want the center to hold in terms of ANC policies, and especially in how we do nominations. Mm. Because we always cry about a manipulated list. You will know, just recently, manipulated list of local government elections were being dealt with. Now, why is it correct now to allow for the manipulation? Just because it doesn't matter if Brian Molive is the most prolific person uh, out there. Yeah. Is the process in which 
he is coming about to go to parliament, the correct one? Is it within the prescripts and the bona fides of the ANC? And if it is not, then something has to be done about it. And only ANC members, unfortunately, on this one can really do something about it. Konamguni, thank you very much, sir, for uh, joining us once again and giving us your thoughts. Much appreciated. Uh, we'll speak again next time. Always a pleasure. Over you, right. Guni is PhD intern researcher uh, at the Morris Webb Race Relations at uh, uh, University of Wazulu Natal. Your thoughts around these issues?